Welcome to the Dirty Love Podcast. I'm your host, Bettina Khan. So here's how this podcast works. I invite a friend over for tea, we sit at my kitchen table, and we have a raw, unscripted conversation about love. It might be about heartbreak, divorce, money, sex, mental health. We are airing our dirty laundry. We're talking about the things that we're not supposed to say in public. We're getting vulnerable. Our hope is that others will do the same. We are in the pursuit of unwavering, deep self-love. We know this to be the basis of any healthy relationship. And we know that the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. Join us for each episode where we delve into these stories, we tell the truth, and we find emancipation. If I've learned anything about love, like going through a recent breakup, um, like I was with a partner for six years who I thought I was going to marry and have kids with, and um, it ended up being, um, it ended up catapulting me into the deepest relationship with myself and everything changed and I've never been more me. It's actually interesting because that's the, the entire ethos of the company is falling in love with yourself newly. Mm -hmm. And that is not just putting on your own oxygen mask. It's actually the foundation for any healthy relationship. Well, I think it's, there's something, um, you know, in my experience, there's something about the spectrum of what we can experience in ourself. And sometimes we make feelings mean something bad, but it's just you experiencing yourself. And it took me a long time to think it wasn't my partner. It's, it's not my job. It's not my friend that everything in my life is a mirror for me experiencing me. And once I figured that out, I could stop blaming and I could just really start sitting with myself and looking for why am I so uncompassionate Hmm. in pocket A, pocket B, pocket C, and really just being like, is this just a feeling I'm having like a viscera that I make mean scary and bad? And then I blame. Um... I also think that apathy is the opposite of being in a deep relationship with yourself or with somebody else. And when it gets scary, I think that's where we want to go a lot of the time is to just shut it off. And um, following my breakup, I would say that it plunged me into a cracking open and through apathy and into the greatest sadness and sorrow and the greatest joy and happiness I've ever experienced because I realized it's a spectrum mm-hmm. and you kind of can't have one without the other. The pendulum has to swing and the, and the deeper that I leaned into grief and sorrow, the deeper I was able to fully experience love and joy. And so running is apathy. I don't want to feel this. This is hurtful. Um, and the fight is, okay, I'm ready to go in and I'm ready to open Pandora's box and I'm ready for, um, to embrace fear and I'm ready to sit in the shadow side of me, the areas of shame, the areas of uh, doubt, um, blame, sorrow, grief, all these things that 
I don't want the world to experience in me and ultimately I don't want to experience in myself. And I think I was just at a place where the contrast was big enough that I, there was, it was the first time that I've personally experienced kind of a surrender. Mm. Like, um, it was probably the most bar an ocean humbling experience, having your heart broken. It's like an extremely human and humbling experience. And would you have discovered all the things that you just talked about had that not occurred? You know, it's funny. I think the weekend experience, um, Mm, good question. Let me think about that. So I think our, our dharmic life, life lessons come to us in different packages. Um, I can't really speak for somebody else. Um, I think they show up. When something happens, it's so hard to ignore. It's hard to miss. Mm. Um, I think that for myself and my partner, when I look back now, I actually have a lot of gratitude and I, I like hold a lot of space and love for him. And it took me quite a while, but like letting go of the resentment in that I don't know that I would have gone that deep within had I not had that contrast. Mm-hmm. And one thing you and I have talked about it before is this experience of living kind of neck up, mm-hmm. like just understanding, understanding air quotes of what happened versus the experience, like being sad, like the full spectrum, not just like, okay, I can intellectualize this. Like Mm -hmm. I had a breakup, got it, move on. Well, I think that's the hardest. I think that's actually really the hardest part is you're like, okay, give me a reason. Tell me why, what can I fix? How can I move forward? And, and, and for me on a personal level, I would say I'm a solutionist. So this was almost insanity for me. Um, okay, I can, I can move on. I can accept, but I, I need a reason because then I can fix it. Right. So when you're sitting there and you just really have to sit in your fucking shit, oh my gosh. And, and you just think I didn't even know that was the other thing. I was like, God, I didn't even know that I had that in me. Mm. I didn't know that I had that much resentment. I didn't know I could feel that angry. You know, I didn't know that I could be that hurt. What did that reveal to you? Um, it revealed I think I think well, probably self-esteem in the sense of you get to a point where you're like, I'm gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And when you know that's just fully, there's like no imposter syndrome, you know that you're that you feel uh, the worst you've ever felt and you're like, I'm going to be okay is actually also pretty empowering. Absolutely. Um, and I think you get to a point where everybody kind of has that point, hopefully where you have your own back. And I believe self-esteem is, um, like a piggy bank that you invest in and it requires self-trust and you have to know that you're going to show up for yourself. And every time you show up a little, you know, check or a little penny goes in or whatnot. Next thing you know, nothing can really rock you when the equity of that piggy bank is really full. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's really empty, you get, you can be shaken really easily. And I, through the process of this, like just one foot and step in front of the other. And, you know, I'm also on the side, like running a business and I'm trying to, that was also an interesting thing. I'm trying to keep my cool and my focus and 
and um, play this one role and, you know, you're seen as a strong woman and there's all these stories and, and this responsibility and I have all, a lot of young women staff. And then there's the middle part of like, I'm also just really human. And then there's the other part is like, I'm also just a child that's just been really hurt. And then really having to move those cups. And um, it was really just every day, kind of like a step in one foot in front of the other. And eventually the pendulum started to go the other way. Um, and you start feeling something and, and then you can say, hey, I'm just feeling something and it's okay. Like I'm just experiencing myself. Um, and maybe it's sadness today and maybe it's actually like overwhelming joy. Mm-hmm. The access for you then was the surrender. Yeah, nothing is... I'm so strong-willed. I think my past probably supports that. And um, what's so interesting is when I came into my 30s, I declared that I wanted to meet grace. My 20s for me were really about making things happen in the world. And I'd proven to myself time and time again that I have the ability to execute. Um, But I intuitively knew, even as a woman, that I had come as far as I could with the tools I was using. Um, And it was scary because I didn't know what that other tool was and um, surrender was actually that tool and it's so interesting because I recently raised some finances for my company and this is a great example of sort of the lessons learned and, and just the growing up and stepping into how I would have done something and how I now do things uh, just with that life experience, just with life experience really in growing up as a person and a woman. So in my twenties, I would have been idea and I would have pushed, and I would have power and I'd just be like, get it done, get it over the line. And there's always like an urgency and there's a certain pace you have to move at and, or that I'd have to move at. Um, otherwise it's like anxious and worry, but it's just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And it was exhausting, but I was highly effective at it. And then obviously the toll that that may have um, played on other people. I don't think in my early twenties, I really considered that, hmm. um, you know, do you rise people or do you burn people out? Hmm. And now, um, when I was raising money as an example, I, the first thing I did is I got really clear on what I wanted and I used spiritual means, cosmic means, business executive coaches. You know, I, I, I looked at heart and I looked at logic and mind um, and, and so the first step was like, collect the data, know your options. And that was the very old Tory, the, the linear. And then I used the spiritual side of me to connect and align and made the decision, but with accurate data, hmm. what was the right thing for me? So the first thing I did is I made sure my energy wasn't split and I got laser, laser clear before I started running. And I wouldn't have done that, which is why there would have been so much more of fear so then starting to move and run is I committed to doing the work necessary and not experiencing the rejection of trying to raise money or whatever the task um, as me and just trying to experience what fear feels like for me and be okay with it. So for me, fear actually is a really consistent feeling. Like mm. I get like pressure on my heart. I kind of get a lump in my throat. I feel like I can't breathe. So if I was in a boardroom and I got that feeling, I just said, oh, that's just 
That's just what I feel like. Oh, I'm just afraid. So I didn't have to either react. I didn't have to react. I didn't have to either run out the door or get defensive. So it was just naming it and understanding it and naming it, but not having it have a control over you. Yeah. Just being like, Hey, it's just part of the experience. Like not, and it allowed it to be part of the experience instead of the controlling factor. And that really got rid of my relationship and urgency to time, feeling always like I'm running out of time and then making everybody else feel that way. So then I was able to make better decisions uh, because I wasn't making a decision on a clock. Um, so first, getting really focused and having compassion with myself in that process. Two, committing to staying focused while doing the work that was that's required and just experiencing it. And then last but not least, um, was surrendering to um, the outcome. And that was the harder one for me that I think that I just spoke to my staff about this that most didn't get um, because I was so aligned and so determined, but in a state of grace and surrender instead of will and fear. Mm-hmm. I was like able to be like, okay, the, the chips will fall. I know I've done the work. I have now the self-esteem to own it either way, if it works or if it doesn't. And it's crazy because all of a sudden I started to feel like unicorns were falling out of the sky and I almost didn't even, so what I had imagined like 50 to hundred percent more of where my expectations were and probably expectations, the wrong word is like where my vision was started to unfold. Hmm. And because I wasn't so hung up and constrictive on this end destination, I actually was able to see when more was coming. And then it's been this train and then I have had the self-esteem for the first time to really take that bigger leap with my arm. And, and then for the first time too, I watched my whole team rise. I watched my whole team have joy in the raising money um, and the creativity. And it was just such a cool moment to be like the only thing that's changed in this process is me and my process because I have done that before and it was a very different experience for me and it was a very different experience for the people who experienced me Um, and that was a massive light bulb moment so to bring it back to my partner I don't know that I could have been that accountable to my own experience in the world had I not had some like sounds weird to say but some like thwarting experience that really like catapulted me inward It sounded like there's this melding of the mind and the heart, like in terms of how you were making choices. And then that was the leadership and the energy that you were bringing to your team. It's like everything you were doing for your business was right. And then you just made this one millimeter kind of shift energetically. And all of a sudden it opened these. I think the bigger thing is um, just self-trust. We all have an internal voice. It says yes and no all the time, but we don't listen. Um, and the the logic voice is in there, like kind of the devil and angel. And I think with having more self-trust has allowed me to be more logical. But I act the voice I listen to. So I take in the data from the logical mind and the structural mind and the linear mind. And, 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 and I look at that more of as like a tool and I've... I've sharpened that skill, like it's a skill I have that's, um, 
been really flexed and I'm good at it. Hmm. But, but it's like a rabbit. It's like a, you know, like digging a hole or a dog digging a hole when you're not, in my experience, when I wasn't aligned with my inner truth, when I wasn't aligned in my own self-esteem, it kind of started, it would like take off, you know, and it could become the negative mind as well. Take me off course of like lots of stories and distractions. Whereas now it's like just taking in the data and the linear mind, but where I make my decision once I've collected the data is in my heart. Hmm. And is that new for you? No. Oh, yes. Is it really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I'm definitely, I would say as a, I'm, well, you know me, I'm, yeah. I'm really sensitive and really energetically sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a really small child, I was really empathic. And a lot of people don't know that about me. And it was a little bit scary for my family because I experienced a lot of feelings, but didn't have life experience. So with, of other people. And so that was like, that was scary for me. And so um, I think that I learned to live in my linear side as a way, which a lot of shy people do, as a way of not feeling because I feel... So, you know, it's so funny. For years, I thought I didn't feel anything. And I would do all these adventures, like rowing oceans, um, because I thought that I needed to go to that edge to feel alive. Hmm. And the, 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 the funny part of that is that I actually feel probably way more than most. I feel actually everything. And I didn't realize that it was actually really scary and overwhelming. And so I spent a lot of years working on trying to shut that off because I didn't know how to control it. And so where this breakup has brought me is back to that little girl. And it's really been a surrendering of like, I've overwhelmingly feeling right now that none of my control mechanisms are working and just having to like let go <laughs> and just like feel it. And, and, and it's so funny because I feel everything now, but I feel, like I said, but I feel the most connected and alive and joyful in the, the littlest moments. Like I'd love to do another ocean, but I don't need to do that to feel alive. And you have different variations of what that ocean is. Yeah. Yeah. Like launching nectar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Launching three more stores in one year. Do you think that you would have had the success with what you've just accomplished with your business and as you continue to grow, like, you know, you're, you've taken your business to the next level. We'll just say that. And when this podcast uh, is published, we'll be seeing, you know, what mm-hmm. you're up to. Had, could you have done, could you have done, could you have had the success that you're experiencing now without everything you just went through? It's hard to say. I know it's so funny because part of, I have a couple of belief systems. It's around that. I do think that you choose your life lessons and my philosophy before you come here. So I think this would have been tapped on. Um, maybe if it wasn't my relationship, maybe it would have been the demise of Nectar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I guess, I'm, yeah, it's so hard to know because I, when I reflect now and I look at my partnership, I think we were definitely have a soul contract and I think we taught a lot of each other so I don't know if I could have evolved at the same way part of me would like to think maybe I could have um but it's really a a guessing game it just arrived when it did and it feels now like it was all landed how it was meant to be and I just feel like in 2017 for so many people and women I know um, it was like the universe lifted up the rug and just give it a good shake. 
Um, and at the time, it was a feeling of everything falling apart. Mm-hmm. But really, it was a clearing away. And everything now I can see, the, the order was so divine and intentional and perfect. I think that is something to really hold on to in moments of adversity. Um, that I've never actually looked back in my life in hindsight. And I, I think if most of us were to ask ourselves, really been like, even the worst thing that you can think of had led you in a direction. Exactly. And it's, it's, that's the most patronizing thing when you're in it. Like if somebody's having this conversation with me, like a month after we broke up and I was like, oh my God, like there was some really funny stories of that. Yeah. There's a couple of really, really funny stories at the beginning. The reality of breaking up. Yeah. 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 It's not shiny. No. You're like, you want to see the ugly cry? (laughs) Yeah. Want to see snot? <laughs> Want to see? Well, this is actually really funny. So, um, with my it, the other thing, it was very. It brought myself and my staff together because I didn't realize that they didn't get to see the human. Um, that right. they were, you know, Tori had rode across an ocean, and she's the business owner, and that, and that, um, in my mind, I'm so warm and approachable, um, and from them, I'm their boss. And um, so we break up and the cart's on the road. So we have a cart on Georgian Granville. And apparently you just can't leave it there overnight. And it's like raining outside and I have to go pick up this cart. And I'm like hysterical. I just like don't even know what's happened. And I've got these like 20-something-year-old staff and nobody has ever seen me like this. I'm always cheery Calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, like I'm I'm like would be referred to the apocalypse happens and I'm like I'm good I'm like organizing everybody it's like it's good yeah so this is fairly shocking and I roll up and I'm like driving all over the road I've got like mascara down my face and I'm trying to hitch this cart and they're just standing there like they just have no idea what to do right like they're so like foreign to see you react that way and they and they just like don't even know they're just like I, do we can you know and so I'm driving I'm like not having a hard time keeping this 10 foot trailer, like in between these two lines, there's like this entire bus stop is like the busiest bus stop in Vancouver. Like I felt like the, this was legitimately a sitcom <laughs> and, and I was like kind of laughing. And then I just said how ridiculous the situation was and then hysterically crying. And I'm just like driving like, and, and the car is like dead silent. I just like can't keep it together. So we get to the location. I have to back up this 10 foot trailer into the tiniest, possible space and they're outside and they're trying to direct me and and because you're going backwards everything is opposite for a trailer it's, it's really confusing and I've like tried like 20 times and I'm like almost have hit something like three times I like took out a pylon in the parking lot and it's like you know and I didn't even budge and so they were like okay and then they're just standing there and I got out and I like left it in the middle of the parking lot and I literally threw the keys and I was like don't steal the cash and I like quit on life and they were just standing there and the beautiful thing was is nobody said a thing to me after Mm -hmm. they just like held space wow but I'm sure they were like I think my boss just had a mental breakdown (laughs) or like cool my boss is human yeah I think that was more yeah. And vulnerability is so scary. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely brought everybody together. 
It does. I mean, I, I totally relate, like, you know, being, being in a leadership position and not wanting to kind of, I, talk, I, I feel like it's someone seeing you naked. Yeah. And, and it, it is actually funny you bring up. So being a woman and then in a leadership position. So the taboo of showing emotion is in the connection of it makes you weak or, um, what's the word? It makes you weak or unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just makes you human. You're like, we're all feeling it. Mine, mine is just being filled outside my body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, and I think about like, how do we be more human just on a day to day, let alone in a relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there is something to be said. I think it takes courage to feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we all get the lump in their throat and we, and when you let yourself feel like, I really think the shadows, then you get the sun and when you need to cry and, and really like feel yourself, then the next moment, you know, you're in the deepest laughter, that belly laugh, but you kind of can't fully experience one if you shut off the, you know, like you can't experience the one you want. If you, all feelings are probably the same. We just make some of them good or bad. I think that's what I figured out. Hmm. In all those years and trying not to feel too much, I was like shutting off joy. What's the impact of that? Apathy. You know, I did a lot of really amazing and cool things. And I felt at different times in my life uh, as though I was standing on the outside of my own life or arriving and feeling a little anticlimactic. You know, and then also when you're not experiencing yourself fully and you're sort of an outside passenger, it's also hard to celebrate yourself. So then it was also really hard for me to receive love. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that this is probably an, another benefit of the breakup is just an overwhelming sense of support and a deepening of love with everybody in my life. Really just by the virtue of me deepening love with myself for sure. That's, that's for sure the best part that's come out of this. That is, I think I can relate to that beyond the beyonds. Yeah. Because there's just a disconnection from people. It's all about accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it's like you experience it. Like you're watching your life as a movie and you miss the punchline. Everybody's laughing and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What are you creating now that you've been given such tremendous gifts in this surrender and this enlightenment and how you've been being and now who you're creating yourself to be and how you're living? Where, where are you taking that? What do you hope to do with that? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Thanks. I, I've got really clear on you know, what role I want to play in the world, what I want to learn about, what I want to be educated on and what I want to educate on, and it's awakening people's wellness. Uh, ne- Nectar has never made more sense to me than it does now. Yeah, it's just a tool. It just happens to be my tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to help people connect that food is the first medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked about sort of the relationship to self, for me, um, and self-esteem, that is food. It's the thing. It's the things we do every day. Whether it's the rituals, whether it's the food we put in our body, uh, 
you know, the words you say to yourself in the mirror, like it's the incremental. We don't get to wake up and be like, you're beautiful and then feel amazing. You got to say it for like a hundred days and then get to a point where you believe it. And so I feel that uh, really empowered to help people have aha moments. Um, and I want to work and personally learn about how to bring old arts and knowledge back in a new context to modern living. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value there. Um, and, and it's an interest for me personally. Um, I also am highly committed for creating opportunities for women in business and helping being a part of building an economy where vulnerability and compassion and creativity, where things can look different, where we can be in business. And, I, and I'm, I'm a work in progress. Like Nectar for me is me working it out myself. And then I'm hoping that I can then share that process with other awesome women who want to do awesome things. So that means showing up to work now with the commitment of being more human and vulnerable and making it okay for me and for my team. Um, It means not always doing things super traditional. It means, you know, coming from a place of ethics where at our boardroom table, profitability and uh, creativity and ethics are all in an equal sector of the pie and that we don't consider ourselves winning unless all of them are being met. Um, and, and yeah, we're a work in progress and Nectar is, is my tool to, to exercise that. My like, infinity goal is to be an angel investor for women in business. Yeah, that's how I'd see like the grown-up version of mm-hmm. myself is to um, build as big as I possibly can and then give as big as I possibly can in my life and create like create an infinite circle. And it sounds like your access is this deeper connection to yourself. Oh, just even the fact that I'm just in joy of the process. I feel joyful now. I think I'm going to be joyful when I'm an angel investor, but I'm I don't I'm no longer living in the future because I'm not happy with right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what led to the driving and and the relationship to time. Whereas I'm actually really, for the first time in a long time, I'm having a really great time, even right here, right now with you and just sharing this moment. Obviously, everybody can't see, but just the eye connection and the human connection that's happening is just all of the little moments. Um, and, it, and it filters all the way down into what I do at Nectar in that when people come in, our job is to just see you and then help you know that you're your own doctor. I'm glad you brought up the time conversation again because I think this is something that people really struggle with. How do you stay present when you have ambition and tons of goals and you want to get up to other things in your life, not just outside of your business. Like how do you stay present and like, how do you have a healthy relationship with time? What is a healthy relationship with time? Well, um, that's a big question. I don't know that I have a bullet answer, but I'll tell you what I, what's been Mm -hmm. working for me is I've shifted my relationship. Probably the biggest thing is recognizing that worry is wasted energy because it doesn't change the outcome. So one of the things I've committed as like a persistency is to stop suffering about time because hmm. I had a lot of suffering around time. Um, so every morning, so I have a couple of practices around this and I, it's been like, I've had to, I've had to work it. Like this is not something for me personally anyways, that is just 
oh, I just like one day, all of a sudden I'm not owned by time. I have a business, right? <laughs> um, it's really my relationship that shifted. So uh, every morning I have a rose quart and a pyonite, a rose quart I put on my heart and a pyonite that I put on uh, my pelvic. And uh, I lay down and I do a guided visualization by Brie Melanson. And who we love, who we love. I hope she's going to be on this. And, um, so she's with me every morning and I can be doing anything from a belief clearing that came up, you know, an issue that came up the day before I can be doing anything from, uh, manifesting, but a lot of her stuff really works on visualization. And so that's my time where I visualize where I am now and where I'm, what I'm building and where I'm going. And a lot of it's around acceptance and love and, and, and it's really a grounding practice for me. So that's like the first thing I need to feel grounded. The second thing is um, in the morning I have a potion, which is about checking in with my body and asking my body. I do a lot of muscle testing, what I need to feel nourished. And if I'm nourished, then my capacity is insane, but without suffering. And so I started to recognize that when I was just running on empty and just running, that I really wasn't serving my team and there was just chaos and anxiety. Whereas I make a commitment as a self-love and self-practice like not to leave my house until my feet feel for, like firmly planted on the floor and business things are still happening throughout the day. I respond to them differently than I did a year. I don't suffer. I'm not like, oh, I just like either deal with it or delegate it. That's the rule. Deal or delegate. And how important is this practice for you every morning? Well, when I don't do this, then I live in a space of anxiety. So I feel like it's really important. And how, how I not live in a space of anxiety is by self-investment and I use ritual as a tool for self-investment and I change those every three months but I you have to we've got so much going on in the world you have to anchor yourself and nobody and I realize nobody's going to do it for you Mm -hmm. it's not your partner it's not your kids this is it it's not your business like you have to anchor yourself and then you know what you do not blow over it in the wind and that was the biggest thing for me is there is a bazillion times more things like I'm launching a sub company, a new product, three locations this year. And I feel way less stressed. I feel way, um, less owned, but like, I feel way less, like I don't have enough time and I'm doing like factor 300% than I was two years ago. Right. But I was so stressed about is it enoughness I think that's that's probably actually the word is I I feel for the first time in my life enough which is kind of funny coming out of a breakup because I spent the first six months feeling not enough Hmm. um and in not feeling not enough it allowed me to like look on every area that I didn't feel enough and as I worked it and worked it with healers and nutrition and like every possible way and self-acceptance, then it was like the next thing. And now I, I feel like my today efforts are enough and the outcome of tomorrow will be. I acknowledge you for grabbing that bull by the horns, like actually saying, this is how I want to feel. 
Because that's the ethos, right? How do you want to feel, yeah. right? That's like well, it's so company. funny you say that because if anybody was listening and they were at a similar place and like looking for a tangible resource, is Daniel Laporte's "How Do You Want to Feel" daily planner is been an anchor for me as much as my visualization with Brie Melanson. Um, every day, it says, "What do you want to give up?" And I would put operations and suffering. What are you grateful for? I would actually put my um, ex's name, where I lived, the people I loved. Um, like I really, really had to work on gratitude because that was about teaching myself how to receive love. And then it started flowing. Um, what do you want to change? And then um, three things that, ha- that you are like the top of your to-do list. And then uh, a to-do list, which is about living. So I'd have like laugh, meditate, dance. And then in a separate section, you have your actual tangible, um, you know, time log, I guess, in a way, you know, like what's happening at what time. Yeah. And then you have a soul prompt at the top. So what is your infinity? What is this all about for you? And I can tell you, man, checking in every day on those things has shifted my life as much as having reishi every morning. It's, you know, and it's just, about God, I could just talk about ritual. Just the relationship to self-commitment, ritual, and self-esteem. Well, we all we all have rituals. We just don't want to acknowledge them, right? Yeah. Oftentimes. Yeah. So whether it's going to Starbucks and getting a, I don't know, a croissant and like some crazy sugary drink or whatever, like no judgment. Well, well there's something about honoring something. You know, when we do rituals or things like that mindlessly, but there's something. It doesn't really matter what it is in your life. It could be like. I call my grandma every day. It could be, I put one thing good in my body every day. It, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's like when you start to know that you'll show up for yourself, it just does something, hmm. you know? It's like having your own back. Yeah. Yeah. And then your capacity to love other people is just so much stronger, right? Because you've experienced it within yourself. Or you yeah. allowed it within yourself. Yeah, just I, I think it taps on receiving. I think it taps on feeling strong enough to give. Mm. Right? Is I, I don't know about that, you, but it's yes. like, you know that feeling where you're, you're just, you think I love you, that's not the problem, but I just have nothing more to give. And then we're in fear and protection, right? That is bingo. Yeah. Because then it, it, go, it shifts from a place of lack. And you also, you know, we... We have to have ebbs and flows. There has to be enough flowing. If you looked at your body as energy or, or a river or light or flow or whatever, there, it has to be an ebb and flow. Like it can't just flow one way. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of us, like, you know, some of us were over lovers and some of us were overtakers. And, um, and eventually it just stops flowing whatever direction you're coming from. Amazing. How does somebody get on this journey? How do they learn how to nourish themselves in, in every sense? How do they get out of their head about time? How do they cultivate a sense of love? I mean, that's what this is all about. Like, how do you fall in love with yourself? Well, I would like to say I hope that your partner doesn't break up with you. <laughs> 
But um, I think the first thing is uh, carving out however you do that or whatever inspires you to do that, I think is maybe less relevant. Um, But I think at some point you have to commit Mm -hmm. to go in. Mm -hmm. Um, What worked for me to share that um, is that I found a mentor. You know, I, 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 the surrendering was just asking for help and letting people in. So being like, you know, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here and I don't know how to get out of here. And so I need help. And that's, that was like the first bit of surrendering is just showing people really truly where you're at. Um, even just when I showed my, none of my friends had ever seen me broken or, or in crying, like, you know, and, and I just let myself experience it and I let people see me that way. Um, so finding a mentor, getting yourself set up for success to be supported. So for me, it was like Daniel Laporte. It was Brie Melanson. I went to Kath Varcia Healer on the island. I did a program called ESP, which is a program on humanity. Um, you know, I got an executive coach to make sure that I kept my company on board. But I, I think the, the key here is whatever it looks like in your life is find the resources, like do the work to find the resources and support you need so that you can tap on all these things and so that you can waver while you're learning and be caught. So that's my first thing. My second thing is um, sometimes before you can go really deep, you have to physically nourish yourself or otherwise things can show up in illness as your body having a conversation. So you can go to a place like Nectar, you can go to your naturopath, but I really would say really make sure that you're supporting your, your body through nutrition and um, the reason why I would say go to somewhere like Nectar or Naturopath, symptomatology, nutrition. So I did a lot of work as an example, and I used a lot of the herbs at Nectar um, to work on my liver. Where, and, you know, the liver stores resentment and anger. And I think had I not done that, I wouldn't have been able to move through as fast. So when we say mind, body, spirit, like we're tactically talking about spiritually, like who's your emotional coaches and are you set up for success? body, you know, if you're dealing with anger and resentment, we'll come to Nectar or your naturopath and let's get some liver support. If you're dealing with fear, let's get you some kidney support. If you're dealing with, with, um, sadness, let's get you some support for the lungs. So let's physiologically support you in the process. Cause sometimes the mind and the soul can move faster than the body is capable of change and it results in illness. And this is what would be known as a healing crisis. So it's not even a bad thing. Um, And then I think you need to have an operating system and an operating system is, you know, like what are the steps for you? So I kind of, for myself, and maybe that's just my personality, I needed a framework. So I committed to being, supporting my body in a physical way, supporting it in an emotional way, but I had like somewhat of a plan Mm -hmm. and that made me feel safe. And once I felt safe, the concept of surrender became uh, more approachable because I knew I, w- I was like feeling friction in myself. Like I knew I needed to like, it was like a, you know, balloon ready to pop. And it's the other thing too, as I would say, how do you go, how do you make all these changes is it's really hard to go from apathy to joy. So what you can do or to go from fear to joy is trying feeling curious, you know, when you're getting, when you're feeling sadness or when you're, is just to ask yourself, you what's going on for me and try and be curious 
as opposed to just thinking that all of a sudden it's going to be joy. You know, sometimes it's funny. It's like, I'll give you an example. So when I raised my money, I was so excited that I almost felt anxious. Hmm. And I had a moment. I was like, God, why, Tori? I've worked for this. This is so exciting. And I was like, why do I feel anxious? And I almost made it anticlimactic and went into an old pattern. And then I realized that fear and excitement are the same. I experience them physically the same. And once I realized that, then I was able to let go. And then I experienced the most joy and excitement I'd ever felt in my life. But I almost stopped it because I got afraid of experiencing myself. Yeah. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. Um, and then just time, practice, and compassion. And the other thing too, I would never sit on the other side of this and say, oh, you know, it was so easy and life was so perfect and all the rest is, um, there's been ups and downs and ebbs and flows and moments of grace and moments of feeling like an emotional toddler. Um, and having compassion and having a tribe who's held me up has been what's made all the difference. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel really, really lucky and very grateful. That's awesome. I can see it in your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because um, I also think the universe sends you things when you're ready. And um, a dear friend of ours, Britt Gill, mm-hmm. uh, posted this photo of me the other day. I love that photo. You look so beautiful. And what was really cool about that photo is it happened to be in the same, a similar position to a photo that a photographer took of me three years ago and I was sitting on the um, art gallery, Paul Mello, um, the art gallery. And I had just decided to quit my job to do Nectar. And I had a look like my eyes, I had a look of, um, seeking. Hmm. And in, when I saw that picture, I said to Britt, I was like, I fe- this, it was not a glamor photo. This is a moment that captured the essence of this era of my life. And I could see it in myself for the first time. And it was really like self recognition. And the first one was seeking. And the second one was, um, an arrival in self and accepting. And I'd never seen that in myself until I saw that photo. And, uh, somebody posted, they responded by the comment and they were like resting ease face instead of like resting bitch face. I love that. Yeah. So that was really good. And yeah. And so that was a really, that was a good moment. I feel that this era in this period, I have the most ease. Like I'm not saying it's easy, Mm -hmm. but I have the most ease that I've ever have. I've ever experienced it myself for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Anything else? I don't know. I feel I've just divulged my entire life. (laughs) I haven't not really had these moments where you're like talking about uh, broken hearts, things like that. So thanks for the opportunity. I'm Bettina Khan, and you've been listening to the Dirty Love Podcast. Follow us on social and please subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to you joining us again for another juicy episode.